Hello, and welcome to Theodora Speaks. I'm Gail Keller. Theodora Speaks celebrates risk-taking women who have successfully failed forward to reinvent themselves, follow their dreams, and feel fulfilled. I too am on a reinvention journey and recently made one of the toughest decisions of my life, realizing I can have it all, but not at the same time. Married with two young children, I resigned from a company I admire and love in search of more balance and fulfillment for my legacy. I resigned during the global pandemic to put my family first. This season of life is about nurturing my family while raising two beautiful children to be brave, to be kind, fun, loving, and empathetic while also inspiring women to leap into the unknown, take their risk to paint their portrait of themselves they love. In this season of life, I am pressing pause on my corporate career to pursue a calling to educate, motivate, and inspire others to take their risks in their careers. In addition to my podcast series, I offer one-on-one advisory sessions, as well as course offerings on how to prepare you to be a risk taker, and face your fears. With educational curriculum focused on instilling the values of courage, decisiveness, confidence, assertiveness, and balance. I can help you successfully reboot by teaching you how to gracefully fail forward without the crash and burn. Visit gailkeller.org for more information. Welcome to episode two, where it's an enlightening conversation between two of my dear friends. Amy Stevens from Newcastle, Indiana, who's a specials teacher in STEM. And when she's not in the classroom, you can find her teaching Yolatis. Sam Olson is my personal trainer, and I've been working with her on tailored postpartum corrective exercise programs. Personally, dealing with postpartum issues and managing work stress, not only did I need to strengthen my pelvic floor, but my hips were tight and my glutes weak. Sam has strategically given me customized exercises that are right for my body. In addition, she taught me how to breathe properly, where my abdominals are sore after a simple breathing exercise. She even has me working out while blowing up a balloon to strengthen my pelvic before, if you believe it or not. When my posture is aligned to my breath, and my breath aligned to both my mind and pelvic floor, I can focus on strength training and doing simple daily tasks with ease, like picking up my daughters. There is so much that aligns with work stress, breath, and proper alignment when tackling life's stress and stressors, especially in a global pandemic. So sit back and relax and listen to today's story and conversation, because I thought it would be fun to bring both Sam and Amy together to share their stories with you. Enjoy. Ladies, if you want to take a minute and introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Sam Olson. I am currently a fitness instructor and a personal trainer. I have specialty certifications in bar cycle, pre-postnatal fitness, and corrective exercise. 
I was a high school science teacher for about eight years before I decided to leave the classroom and pursue my passion and take a little bit of a leap of faith into this new realm. And I recently launched my own personal training business and I'm just looking to keep learning and growing on this journey. I'm Amy Stevens and as Gail mentioned, upon graduation from Indiana University, found myself at Nordstrom and unbeknownst to me, um, at home with the idea of customer service at its best and of course, fabulous fashion. But after a couple years in retail, really felt this tug at my heart that had been there for so long to work with elementary students. And that was about the time when the transition to teaching program came about here in the state of Indiana. And so I networked and took advantage of a one year opportunity to transition myself into an elementary educator with a master's as well. And then found myself teaching kindergarten and just really took time to shape little people into students. And after about 14 years of being in the kindergarten room, I again felt this tug to work with grown-ups, but wasn't quite ready to leave my district. And about that time, a technology integration specialist position opened up. And while I didn't really feel that I was that techie, others had, had pegged me as being that teacher. And so I left the classroom to become an instructional coach for technology integration. Did that for a couple years that led into a math coach role. And so you can kind of see, you know, I've got now um, the S from, from kindergarten, the science. I've got the technology. It led me into a math coach role. So there's the M, right? And now I am leading the project lead the way curriculum for grades k through five so there's your e there's your engineering right and of course the s the t and the m as well i'm so happy to be joining sam as a fellow fitness instructor and educator i sort of found my way into the ymca studio a and with a couple girls reinvented yoga and pilates and did a little mashup of yolatis and have been doing it. I just was thinking with Gail, my goodness, it's going on 13 years. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And with the pandemic, I've had to change the way I do things. And so I broadcast live from my sun porch. And Sam, I'm sure you've got ways that you have <laughs> grown and reinvented yourself to connect with humans because so much of what fitness and education is, is that engagement and that connection. So tell us a little bit more about you, Sam, in that regard, and the tug of heart in, that you experienced. I ended up in teaching uh, after I graduated college, the end of my senior year, and I made my way into that field via Teach for America. And it was obviously a very big decision. It brought me to Texas. It was a little bit of a heart tug for me. I've always had the urge to give back in any way that I can. And I felt that this was a way to get into the real world, to start working, to start making money and to make an impact. I fell in love with education. I fell in love with my students. 
I learned very early on that I was an incredibly effective educator. I made great strides with all of my students. As I came back to Chicago, I continued growing and I became the science department chair. Uh, and right at the brink of it all, I had the chance to jump into the role as the science lead and lead the team of teachers versus the students. But I was also coming to the realization that I was just not happy in this role. It was not fulfilling. I found my love of education. I found my love of learning. I found a love of teaching people in a way that they could understand and that they could grapple with material and make it relevant for them in their lives. But I wasn't happy and I wasn't fulfilled in that one area of my life. So I found myself married and pregnant with my first son and I decided to take the leap and leave. I became a stay-at-home mom. Uh, at that time, I had trained and was teaching uh, bar fitness classes. So I was starting slowly. So I was a stay-at-home mom, but I had my own part-time thing that I got to go do a few days a week. And it was really important in my transition into motherhood, uh, especially from a mental aspect, um, to have something that was mine, to have an hour to two with other adults, and to have an outlet of women who were mostly moms and were there and understood the hard <laughs> that it is to be a mom to young people. I got this connection and that connection just continued to drive me further. I took my love of education and brought it into the fitness studio, but I didn't want to just stop there. There had to be more. There had to be more doors. So I learned a new style of teaching. I learned how to teach spin classes. I finished my personal training certification that I had been working on while I was pregnant, and I started personal training when my son turned one and found that one-on-one -on -one connection, that one-on-one -on -one work. Um, and it just kept growing. Like the want to know more, the want to be better for my clients, for the people that I serve just kept propelling me forward. So with my second son, I felt a lot more with it mentally, but physically my body had really taken a toll. So I dove into pre and postnatal fitness, kind of investigate what was going on in my own body and uh, be able to correct it. And then realize that, oh, this is a thing. Like how many women are walking around with issues postpartum? How many women are walking around? I know it's not the most uh, glorious topic, but leaking or they can't do jumping jacks anymore. They can't go for runs. They're not comfortable. There's so much pain and pressure in the pelvis. There's all these issues and nobody talks about them. It's no, it's heaven forbid, a, <laughs> say, heaven forbid there's a, I was going to say, heaven forbid there's a birthday party at Sky Zone, right? I mean, we're all going yeah. down. <laughs> right. And we're supposed to just chalk it up to motherhood and just be that way. No. Yeah. Yeah. And that was what, I mean, that became this new fire in me was life doesn't have to be this way. I'm listening to these stories from women and I'm sending my son to school, to preschool for the first time. And yes, moms are talking about having to get on the trampoline with their young sons. And they're like, I can't do it. And I'm like, but you can, we could get you back there. And I feel like 
it's stigmatized. It's something that even our OBs don't talk to us about. And when I made myself vulnerable, when I started having these conversations, I connected with some women like Gail who are like, yeah, let's do this. Let's change life postpartum and make it better, make it a little bit more like it was before we had children, at least in our own bodies. And that led me to pursue my last certification, which is a postpartum corrective exercise specialist. And it has the word postpartum in it, but it really applies to anyone. Anyone who's having low back issues, anyone who has a diastasis, anyone who is experiencing this constant ache in my hip and it just takes us to your kinetic chain and I start I'm like okay let's look at your feet let's look at your knees let's look at your shoulders let's look at your head let's dive into the puzzle that's you break it apart and correct these things so that you can live pain-free um, you can move through life joyously and Sam I remember you and I went through having our first and second you were a little bit ahead of me in terms yes, of becoming a mom did. and whatnot. And I followed suit a couple months after your second. And we were having a, a vulnerable conversation about healing and postpartum. And mm -hmm. I always thought postpartum meant you're depressed or you're down. I had no idea you could be anxious, you could pee your pants, uh, you needed to <laughs> relax your pelvic floor and your hips. As women, as people hold a lot of stress in our hips. Mm -hmm. And you both are very outgoing, you and Amy, in terms of your teaching ability, your friendship your willingness to both be vulnerable. And I think it would be fun to kind of dig into some of those tips in the breath that you both hold near and dear in your personal training classes, your Yolatis, and give some tips to the women listening today that it's okay to have mindfulness and have a connection to your pelvic floor and to properly breathe, right? We shouldn't be chest breathers. We need to be belly breathers and we need to start from that pelvic floor. So taboo, we shouldn't say the word pelvic floor. But the more we say it, right, I think the calmer we'll be, especially as, yeah. as working women, as working moms. Well, you know, Gail, I'll add another layer onto taboo. I ask my, my friends, my crew, my, my Yolati's tribe, if you will, to put their hand on their heart and their other hand on their belly. And just that, that tactile sense of connection with self so often. And Sam, I don't know how many, um, you know, clients you've worked with that they're like, I've never actually held my heart. Like I've never actually put my hand on my belly and, and took a deep breath in to feel it rise. And then to feel my pelvic floor engage, you know, we've used this word transition a lot. And at what point from um, us as tiny humans who were touching everything to explore <laughs> our world, forgot to actually put our hands, like lay our own hands on our bodies to say, I feel my breath. I feel my heartbeat. I feel that feedback. Yeah, I 100% agree. I have all of my clients because I practice 360, 360 degree breathing. It is tactile. It's the same when you want a muscle to engage. That's not engaging. I tell people, I'm like, just tap right. the muscle. It's a lot of it, and especially women in the abdominal wall when things have shut down after pregnancy and after childbirth, oftentimes you just need to give the muscle a little tap and it it'll come back to life. It'll start contracting. It'll start doing that work. Breathing is it's your life source, right? Breathing is the foundation of every single body system. 
when you breathe through your diaphragm, so if you breathe in a 360 degree matter, your diaphragm's pulling down on your inhale, your rib cage is expanding, your pelvic floor is relaxing. And if you take a nice big exhale, you're gonna get all of your abdominal muscles, your pelvic floor muscles to contract. They're gonna work together. And when you breathe this way, you massage the vagus nerve. When you massage the vagus nerve, you take your body out of that fight or flight response into that sense of calm, into that sense of well-being. So we don't always have to be in a state of being chased by a lion. We can slow down. We can choose to notice when we've slipped back into that chest breathing, shallow breathing pattern, when we feel a lot of tightness in the chest and upper neck. And we can relax. We can bring ourselves back into the moment, bring ourselves back into our body simply by flipping our breathing. The biggest thing is, is that we can help this other human, this, this living, breathing being connect with their body. So we got to have all those, those techniques to find out what is best practiced for you. And I love that you did that. Let's breathe together. When that connection is made and when that awareness rises, suddenly it's almost like lifting a veil. Maybe they were feeling a little cloudy and they just couldn't quite make that connection. And then it's just like, oh, there it is. I feel it. I'm in tune. I can actually send energy there because I'm aware. Taking the skills that we acquired as classroom teachers and bringing yeah. them with us into wherever our profession leads. Absolutely, not every single class is the same. Not every single person is the same. You have to find what works for the person. And that's what facilitates change. And that's what facilitates relationship. And that's what facilitates connection. That mindful breathing that you had talked about, Gail, one of the things that I personally worked on was breathing in uh, nice, deep, long inhales pausing for just you know a moment and then that nice long exhale people take my class they often hear me say keep taking in air keep taking in air i want you to breathe in that space that energy that light around you and then pause hold it love on it and then exhale it and keep exhaling even when you feel like there's nothing left to exhale just keep exhaling and then all of a sudden we can start to transition that into what is your intention? What is not serving you? Breathe that in. And then when you exhale, let it out after you have had a moment to sit on it, to possibly label it, to come face to face with it, whatever it may be, and exhale it out slowly. You know, that's just, you know, no pun intended, elementary level of, of working with breath. I wasn't until my mid-30s till I learned how to breathe correctly. I mean, I, I was older and embarrassed. I didn't know how to breathe. I could have been a marathon runner if I knew how to breathe in my teenage <laughs> years, you know? Gosh, if I could turn back uh, the fountain of youth. And, and even in working out, teachers would say, engage the pelvic floor, tuck in your ribs. Say, is, well, I know yeah. where the pelvic floor is, but I don't know how to engage it. I mean, I would only think like sexual, right? Not even the breath. And so, hmm, how could I breathe and engaging the pelvic floor? And it wasn't until I found Sam and Amy listening to you, very moving because it can help not only in exercise, but in life, in our professions. You know, you should be mindful breathing and take deep breaths to get through situations. And yes, I believe it works, but you have to do it correctly. And I wasn't doing it correctly. 
until I started working with Sam one-on-one. And just this past week, she brought out the foam roller and I'm foam rolling my ribs. I didn't even think you could do that. (laughs) Ribs aren't a muscle, but you can. You're absolutely right, though. There's a lot of tag words in society and in social media and in teaching and in corporate America about mindfulness and mindful breathing. And there's nobody most of the time there to teach you what these things are. I mean, that was a major gap that I found. And in my, even in my own body and in my own practice, and I started meditation before I really found pre-postnatal fitness and working on 360 breathing and working on connecting to the pelvic floor and getting things working again that had stopped working for me. And when I taught myself to breathe properly, I changed meditation for myself. I used to find it really hard to sit down and give those five minutes to meditate. And not that to-do lists and things like that don't come up still now. But when I choose to sit down and do it, and I can get into that nice, deep diaphragmatic breathing pattern, I am 100% in. I don't have to, I don't even need guided meditations anymore. I can do it on my own. It's a game changer. And Sam, you had brought up the idea of meditation six years ago. I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and my uncle, who's very close to me, is a very spiritual being and his way of connecting with me to help me through this was to send me meditations. And I'll never forget opening up that email in that inbox and thinking to myself, there is no way, no, I never allowed myself to actually entertain the idea that it could possibly be something worth connecting to, trying. And so flash forward another year, I'm, I'm still in some surgeries and in some recovery. And then he calls me and he's just like, do you have five minutes? And I'm like, absolutely. And he's like, I want to connect with you. And the way that I know how is to breathe and to do just a small little breath uh, routine, if you will. And I was like, okay, I could do that. And so we sat down and he totally snuck in a meditation on me and I loved every minute. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And from that moment on, my ears would perk up whenever someone would take my class and say, I love when the music is fast because when it's slow, I can't get out of my head. They're like, I I don't do a good job, Amy, of, of holding a position long enough to let the thoughts in my head actually linger And then I have to confront them. And before we know it, we're still holding that position. You have not moved on to the next thing. And I need you to move to the next thing. And I thought to myself, how interesting as women, are we constantly doing that? Are we creating layers and layers and layers or looking for the next thing to transition to so that we don't really have to be present and deal with what's right in front of us, label it and move on. Sam, I would love to hear if you've had anybody share that same sentiment with you where they're like, girl, you got to keep moving because I cannot linger that long with all the stuff that's up here in my head. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I think that um, I constantly run into both sets of clients, right? The clients that are constant. I mean, you even ask them in a bar class, like we're, we've done a whole set, a whole six minute set of thigh work, and we're just going to hold for the last 10 seconds. And there's three people at the bar still pulsing. And I'm like, no, 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 just hold, right? Just be in the, be in the burn, be in the shake, be in the challenge. I mean, I was that person. I was that person that couldn't sit in the hold. 
I was that person who didn't want to confront what was going on in my brain. It was part of, I mean, my, my evolution to getting to where I am today, both personally and professionally. Similar, Amy, I never, not that I'd never heard of meditation, but I certainly never gave meditation a chance until I found myself about six months postpartum with my first child. And for lack of a better word, unhappy. Not that I didn't love my baby, but the change of life that parenthood brought was something that hit me like a ton of bricks. It was something that was completely unexpected. It was something that I could not prepare for. And I am a preparer. I dealt with a lot of like inner pain and not knowing where to take these feelings and not knowing what to make of them. And it was actually someone in the fitness community that helped me and sat down with me and taught me meditation. And this idea of the fact that you're not your thoughts, um, you're not your feelings, you're not the sensations your body feels, you're the observer, you notice them. And it, it started to slowly change me. I like to say I'm a recovering type A. <laughs> it helped to give me perspective. And it helped me to be able to connect to my mind, my body, my spirit, all three pieces. But when you're missing the mental and the spiritual aspect, whatever that spiritual aspect looks like for you, you're missing a lot. Movement to me is both a celebration of what my body can do, but it's also a time to connect to my breath, to connect to what's going on. Sometimes I find myself in a class or in the middle of a workout and I am just holding a plank or holding a pose or holding something that I was supposed to have moved on for, but I realize I enjoy sitting there now in that discomfort and trying to figure out what's it teaching me. That simmering is less yeah. uncomfortable, right? Yes. <laughs> I know one of the things, Gail, you were talking about was that idea of, of transition, of reinvention. And I have to wonder that the more that we think about connecting, breathing, awareness, does that help recognize not necessarily the opportunities that are out there, but uh, a better ideal of sense of self, of, of our heart and our head and that combination to know that maybe something does sound scary to move into, that we are so um, much better equipped, maybe not the best, but better or stronger, that we can handle it. If, if, if we do fall in this new adventure, what's the worst thing that could happen? I love that you had talked about this sense of, of type A, Sam, because that really was something that was a cloud hovering over me throughout my, my teaching, my classroom years. And I didn't realize how much it had taken over who I thought I was. I let it define me. Amy, you define you. Amy, you're one of the most positive people I know. You're the only person I know that wakes up with a smile on her face without an <laughs> alarm clock to this day. All those years ago we met in the dorms at IU, you know, you're still rocking that smile without an alarm clock every day. 
got Thank such you. a great aura and positivity. I'd love to know even, you know, Sam, you as well, like what's taking a risk? Because you've clearly gone through it, right? With your transitions, your reinventions of your, of your careers, of your passions, turning your passions into careers. I, I'd love for you to share. What does risk-taking mean to you both with the audience? I don't necessarily know that I would go as far as saying step outside of your comfort zone, but I do believe that every time that I feel professionally I've taken a risk, others have stepped back and been like, I, I do not understand how you are doing this. How could you leave this amazing classroom? But I do believe that it's following that voice, following that sense of self into one foot in front of the other so that when you're there, you take a step and you're pause, breathe, be moment, take another step, pause, breathe, be in a moment and not get so hung up on what was and not get so hung up on what is down the road, but what is right in front of you. Presence is presence enough. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many things you just said that I completely agree with. For me, it's being in the fear, <laughs> being in the scary. Yes, choosing to follow that voice in you, follow your heart, despite what the rest of the world is telling you. I mean, I felt that very personally when I left teaching it was a bit of a point of contention in my own house, just between my husband and I, because of the financial security that I was leaving. I would say that I am definitely a positive person, that I have the ultimate belief that things will work out. My husband is not that person. God love him. <laughs> um, but thank God for him because he keeps us on track in so many ways. But the fear of what this meant for our family financially was a big struggle. I mean, I remember comments coming from my mother-in-law, who I also adore and have a great relationship with. But in the beginning, when I was making this transition, there were things said that definitely left a mark and a little bit of a scar. And that's when you kind of sit back and you wonder like, am I, is this the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? It's hard, but you have to separate everyone and everything around you and just tune in. Ultimately, I did not love what I was doing. I was very happy in so many other areas of my life and I was becoming so happy in so many other areas of my life and I felt just stuck in teaching and in my profession and I stayed and I kept doing it because I was good and I was effective and I kept getting promotions and making more money and I still like that those things did not bring joy and at the end of the day I can't imagine being around my children and teaching my children that it's okay to stay in something that does not bring you joy I want them to see a mom who is willing to take a risk, to see a mom that is happy, that is joyful, that I'm not coming home angry and upset over work every day. 
and to see a mom who works really hard, <laughs> who started from ground zero in this new profession and is just slowly building, building, and building. And I'd argue to say, Sam, you know, you're still a teacher in science, right? <laughs> you really are. Absolutely. Classroom looks a little different. Your subjects may be a little older, but <laughs> doing it, doing it with joy. That's the whole premise is I, I never wanted to leave teaching. I wanted to leave teaching in the sense of the formal classroom. I think that there's so much to learn in fitness and when it comes to our own bodies and what's the best way to work them and move them. But I don't need the whiteboard. I just need a human. Yeah, just a human. We don't even need weights. We can do everything without. Sam, that you brought up that idea of perspective when talking about some of your co-teachers, when talking about some of your family members. I think sometimes in our circles of friends and even within our family, when somebody does bring up, you know, an idea that sounds a little bit like, oh, oh you're going to do what? It's not always coming from the sense of perspective where they are sitting there thinking of this new idea or this grand plan through your eyes. They're possibly looking at it through their eyes, through their brain, through their sense of thought. And that is something that I've really taken from the kindergarten classroom. We don't want others to feel that way. So why would you do that? That golden rule, right? Do unto others as others would do unto you. So often, I'm not sure that we come at it with a healthy perspective. Or if somebody brings up a topic or a conversation, do we actually pause and think about it from their point of view, from your point of view, and then carry on a conversation from there? Or does it become very one-sided and, and other people or maybe us ourselves placing our views or our thoughts onto those people. So when they say hurtful things or when they say, you know, I can't believe you would leave. Like, why would you do that? That to me is a, that's a big flag to me. I don't know that, that we're coming at this from the same angle that I am. So I just, I love your opinion dearly. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's really well said, ladies. Everyone's risk-taking gauge and measurement is very, very different. And so those comments may be coming from a loving place, maybe not a loving mm -hmm. place, Absolutely. maybe they're afraid for you. So what tools helped you both in taking your, your risk? Wow. I think for me, one of the biggest tools was having a partner. For me, that is my husband and of, I call them sisters, the women that have grown with me that have challenged me that weren't afraid to be the other shoulder when I needed that conversation. Lay it on me. I want to try this. What do you think? Having that, that village, that tribe with you can absolutely be a tool to help when taking a risk. Being able to, you guys are going to laugh, but I am a huge maker of prone lists. Sam, I don't know if you do this, Gail. I don't know if you do this, but I love to see what is the worst thing that can happen? In all honesty, when I left the classroom, that was the worst thing. Because when I took the job in the instructional coaching, the grounds for, for taking that new job were, if this doesn't work out, there's a grade level, there's a classroom waiting for you. Now, we can't promise you your classroom, your grade level, but there's a classroom, your grade level waiting for you. Am I going too far down the road? Or am I really, truly right here in the moment thinking about what exactly is it that I am thinking about that I'm entertaining, that I'm challenging myself with. 
I think that plays into what you said earlier, Amy, about being present (laughs) and not worrying about like what's going to happen tomorrow with this. That is a tool that I had to develop, (laughs) but that is definitely a big propeller in where I came from and where I'm going. New opportunities are coming my way often right now, which is amazing. Along the same lines, like what's the worst that can happen, but also not worrying about, well, what if it doesn't play out exactly as I see it in my head and being in the moment. And a lot of it too, for me was (laughs) having the ability to be uncomfortable for a little while and know that's okay. It's uncomfortable in maybe positions that aren't really in the right place, but it's that stepping stone. You got to do it. You got to sit through it to get to that next level. And I agree having, having people in my corner, my corner is small, but having my husband who I can, I mean, even tonight I was like, all right, here's the situation. What's your input? having that is so important to me and much the same, a best friend who went to college with and this girl also took (laughs) huge risk and left multiple professions and actually just finished her doctor of acupuncture in Eastern medicine. Having that woman and the partner and another woman to go through a lot of these stages of life with has been super important and having her support and having her in the same way, just being able to toss ideas and like, what am I missing? What's your point of view? And knowing you're getting that, that piece, that perspective where they are taking you into consideration and then adding their own spin on it and adding what they see that maybe you're missing. That's really important, as is having a beloved partner supporting you. That helps us. Our type A personalities continue to be risk takers, but building that community, that safe zone where you can feel safe with the people and trust them with your vulnerabilities and how can they continue to help you grow and challenge you from a loving place. If I could add one more tool, I would definitely put in just being out in nature. I grew up as as a suburbs gal. And my husband who grew up on a farm, his closest neighbor was five miles away. And I go, what is that smell? And he was like, honey, that's a farm. So flash forward all these years and my refuge, my church, if you will, is to go to the family farm and start walking, especially weekends where the snow is falling and it's quiet and we can just see tracks in the snow and we can watch um, just natural life unfold right in front of us and the seasons change. We are lucky to be in the Midwest because we get all four seasons. But nature is definitely something that I have found has been a very strong tool in my belt. And oftentimes where I go when a potential change or a potential risk is presenting itself. As we wrap here, what advice would you give the other Theodoras listening today, they're grappling with taking that risk. I think uh, a big part of my own development in the last five, six years now has been in vulnerability. And, you know, I struggled. I went through a couple of 
hard times growing up as a child. I lost my dad right after I was married. There was a lot of things that I just didn't, I, I didn't want to share. I wanted to hold on to myself. I thought that it made me stronger. I thought people, you know, like that I, I just didn't need these pieces to be a part of my story or the narrative that I shared. And one of the best pieces of feedback that I got as a new fitness instructor when it was written feedback was Sam's classes are so challenging. She is a fabulous instructor, but I wish she would loosen up more and show us more of her personality. And I was just really struck and I was like, wow. I was like, and, and I mean, I, like, I couldn't lie. It was the absolute truth. I wore a shell for a very long time. Um, and when I started to shed that and start to let go and start sharing more of who I am, more of who I was, more of who, you know, I'm becoming and not being scared to do that was when doors really started to open for me was when I met people who helped me understand that I wasn't the only first time mom to feel lost in the sea of parenthood. And it's what built the ability to move forward and to do something new, something that comes from a place of joy and passion. I love that ability to fearlessly be yourself, no matter the environment, no matter those around you, the feedback that you get. And when you do get feedback, if it doesn't challenge you, does it change you? I love those phrases, those questions that have been out there asking us to reflect. And so when we are fearlessly ourselves, guess what we do? We take up space. We reach out wide. We stretch high. We were present. When we feel deserving of that space that we are taking up, when we take off that shell that you were talking about, Sam, and when we be in the moment, be present and know that, that you're worthy of that and that there is such an amazing world out there that starts within the moment right now, right now. <laughs> I love it, Amy. Let's end on that, that positive note. And I'd be remiss not to thank you both for following your dreams, teaching as a calling. And we're still in this pandemic, right? And, and teaching, it's, it's a beautiful gift and you both do it so well. And on behalf of everyone out there that's listening, I want to thank you for helping us with our physical, mental, spiritual strength, because we really need to pull together in this time and continue to remain strong. So thank you for that. And I hope that we'll take away that mindfulness starts in the pelvic floor, goes on up to the brain, doesn't start in the chest. So <laughs> we can all start breathing from the pelvic floor on up. The world would be a better, happier place. So thank you both for your time. Really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my second episode of Theodora Speaks. I want to thank Amy and Sam for spending time with us today 
being vulnerable, sharing their stories about reinvention and the risk-taking along the way. If there's one takeaway from today's conversation is to just let it go. Like Elsa says from the movie, movie Frozen, let it go. Just breathe. Be in the moment and be mindful. And if we just take a pause and breathe through it, we can let the uncomfortable become comfortable and be present to help us be better risk takers, to be better fulfilled in our personal and professional lives. I also want to spend a, send out a special thank you to the audience for joining me on today's conversation. And a special thank you to New Voice Studios for producing today's podcast. I invite you to follow me at gailkeller.org. Thank you for your time and stay courageous. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.